Praise the Lord, Church of Omaha. And, uh, can we go ahead and give a hand clap to the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Well, I am thankful to be here today. Uh, most of you have probably heard by now, or maybe many of you have heard. I fly out here at mid-service, so sometime in the second half, and uh, I'm going to Puerto Rico for 30 days. Um, it, it sprung up middle of the week. I was sitting at my desk, and um, the boss had mentioned that they were contacting, uh, had reached out to him, but I was like, they ain't reaching out to me. And, uh, and that was the night before when I walked out, and I was like, they ain't reaching out to me. There's too many people in the Army Corps, and the phone rang, and they said, hey, can you come and help us? We need you there Sunday night, San Juan. And I was like, oh. So it was more of a, can you be here Sunday night? I'm not sure how they completely phrased it, but I was, uh, I was like, all right. And so my first thing was to text my wife, because she can't answer. I'm, not going to, I'm going to San Juan Sunday night, and then to call Bishop. And say, here we are. So, but if we can turn to Luke chapter 5, Luke chapter 5. We're going to be there, and we are going to be in the book of Genesis. And this is a topic that uh, is something that's near to my heart. Um, but Genesis, or we'll start with Luke chapter 5. And I'm just going to read a couple verses, and then we'll come back into the story. Um, but verse 1, it says, And it came to pass, as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, we know him as Peter, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. And then I would like to come over here. Um, we'll go down here to... Uh, uh, um, verse 18, and it says, And behold, men brought a bed, in a bed a man which had been taken with the palsy, and they sought means to bring him in and lay him before him. Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to us today, preach into our hearts and into our lives. God, we want to hear from you. We want to be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I would like to talk to you about what about me? What about me? Um, our title screen up here has, I think, some Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Tweetface. Um, I'm not sure what all the names of them are. But has anybody ever gotten a little frustrated that it seems like people are all about me? You know, that's a conundrum for the church. Because Jesus came for me. And me hurts. And me goes through pain. And me goes through struggle. And that is not proper English. But we also have gone over this whole last year about all are called, and all are called, and we're preaching about others. And when you're full of me, it's really hard to see you. But we get a little tied up when we look at people, 
And it may be with, if you work in the schools, it may be with your students. If you uh, uh, um, have children, sometimes you might run into it with your children. When they're really little, of course, my diaper needs changed. I'm hungry. I want that toy. When you go through the store, it can be a painful experience. It can be a fun experience, too. Uh, just as a side note, once I, uh, quote, abandoned London as she stood looking at the toys, thinking she would then be scared and want to follow me. I then sent a lady over there, why? Parents don't do this. I said, hey, you look grandmotherly. I didn't tell her she was grandmotherly. Can you, uh, can you go ask my daughter what she's doing and as toys fell on the floor? And so the lady goes, what are you doing? Oh, I'm looking at toys. Are you going to pick that up? Oh, my dad will get it. Where is your dad? Oh, he'll find me. But it was about me. I'm interested in this. And, and there is something great about the fact that she had a trust in her father. But I was wanting her to recognize your world's changed and look for me. See me over here. Not just be focused on yourself. But it's that me mentality. As we get older, we're supposed to come out of that. But we look across our society and we see one that seems to be filled with itself. And when you come to somebody, before I get, get there for a second, let's just talk about this. Is it any wonder, though, that people are full of me? Because we have our Snap face and Instagram and, and we post out there, oh, look at me, look what I'm doing. And, and, and you see it, we have the photos where we stand in front of the mirror and we take a picture of the mirror which is taking a picture of me. And sometimes I can't quite see me because if I don't like something, maybe my nose, I like my nose, but maybe you don't. I cover it up with the phone. And so I get the mirror and I get the sides and, and this becomes people's identity. And I'm like, why didn't you just reverse the camera and take a picture of yourself? Um, but you see the pictures and they flow in and it's, I look good today and I'm great. And, and you go to school and they want to go ahead and they want to change maybe the grading system. Why? Because if you're valedictorian, oh, that could insult somebody else who's not. Or if you have an honor roll, then what about the people that weren't there because we care about you and you're so great and, and we just want to pump you up and, and we give participation awards, if I can say that word right, participation awards to everybody and ribbons, 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 and it's all out there. And I know we care about our children. But if you've lived very much time, you know that life is tough. And you invest and you work hard and you put your effort in and sometimes it doesn't come to seem, seem to come to anything. And other people walk on you and, and you suddenly realize I'm maybe not smart enough for this job or I, I can't do this or how do I pay the bills? And, and, and you suddenly begin to see I need to improve or I need to go through something. This happens to people who skate through high school and they're like, you know, my parents always gave me everything. It was good for me. And then they get out in the we call it the real world, and it gets tough. And then they say, man, I wish I had that education. I wish I had that degree because I would like to have that job that would let me get a little further in life. And, and they begin to apply themselves. But when you come to them and you begin to tell them their problem, they say, well, what's wrong with me? Everything I have tells me I'm good. 
every time I'm on social media, I get a boatload of likes. And if I don't like what you commented to me about, I block you. I push you away. And, and I've surrounded myself with a whole world of people that tell me how good I am. And society tells me how good I am. In Genesis, we see this problem when Eve, or it was woman at the time, she approaches the tree and the serpent there begins to tell her all about me. And, and, and he lets her know, he says, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of the tree of the garden. And the woman says to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent says to the woman, he focuses on her, and he says, You won't die. Like, look at you. You're good. You're a great thing. Let's, let's focus on you. You won't die. You shall not surely die. For God knoweth that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. You could have something better. And he wants to keep from you what would make you so great. Can you see that? And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes, but not just to the eyes, there was only two pair of eye out there. Adam and woman. It was her eyes. And you know, all their life it was just God and this garden that was built for them and it was just Adam and Eve. Hear that, by the way, not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. And you can preach that every single day in a world that wants to mess you up. But it was just Adam and the woman. And so she saw that it was pleasant to the eyes and to be desired. It was good for me and it's desired to make one wise. And it's good for food. It's good for the belly. It makes me look good. It touches my mind. And, and she embraced it. What's wrong with this? As a church, when we come to people who are so been taught that they're so great and they're so full of themselves and it's all about me, and then you say, you have a problem. They go, who, me? I heard a gentleman at Urshan, he had, he had taught on this, and I've, some of the source material I had studied before and... and and, uh, uh, and as he was teaching, I was like, wait a second. He's read some of the stuff that I've read. And, and, it, and it began to stir even something more in me because he's looked, he was he's focusing on our generation. And it burned in me because through the, the 80s and the 90s and now the 2000s, we've told people you can do anything and you can be anything. And I do love to promote people, but, but we've focused on ourselves. And now we have a world that's completely messed up. And the church comes in and says, there's a problem, and you need Jesus. And you go, what's wrong with me? They've got the problem. And on top of that, you smart people out there, I'm just an 18-year-old or I'm a 25-year-old, all you smart people thought you could run the government, you had all the science, you had all the math, you had all the programs you put together, and you told us this is what would make life great. I see a world that's messed up, full of riots, racism, bigotry, people on drugs, people who are dying. You are the problem, not me. Can you see this just a little bit? 
And so you want to tell them about their condition. But every day they're looking for another pretty picture of themselves. They're looking for a bit of affirmation. But then they scan out at the world and they see how you messed it up. Oh, and I say you generically, but they sat in their classrooms and they were told, here's how society's improved. Here's what the Enlightenment period did. Here's how technology did these things. And they see a World War I and they see a World War II if they've bothered to pay attention in history. Um, and they see, but they see wars that unfold. And they see the marches. They see the situations in Minneapolis. You know, a lot's gone by in the last 20 years, and 9-11 doesn't seem so far away from me. But when I realize that my fifth grade, my, or my fifth grade uh, child, Emery, or sixth grade child, her teacher was like born right around then, it gives me a start. I'm like, wait a second. Our teachers were just barely alive when what I view as yesterday occurred. This seems pretty new to me. I'm like, hey, I got a smartphone. I can count the number of smartphones that I've had. I remember when I got a cell phone. I remember my grandparents had a bag phone, and I was like, who wants that? I probably sound like an old guy. I'm like, why do you want to carry around a bag with you? And you plug it into your car. And why does grandma need to know you're 15 minutes from home anyways? <laughs> Our kids are like, hey, did you know phones used to hang on the wall and you had a 30-foot cord that you drug around from the kitchen into the living room so you could talk to people and you stretched it forever? A cord? Yeah, you were attached to the wall and everybody in the room could hear you talk. What? And then you're like, and I'm going to take that away because I pay for it. You can't take my device. This is me. It's mine. The world has so changed in the last 20-some years. And we have to recognize it and to see their condition because we've got bright, smart people coming up in the ranks. And they're great. And Jesus has called you to reach Knees. He's called you to go after them, but yet we have given them these things. Someone said to me the other day, they said, hey, you know, you would like to get onto your kid about the phone, but did you not give them the phone? And these things were 100% designed to be addictive. Did you not hand them a product that's an addiction? So then when you want to chew them out for mishandling something, you put it into your, their hands. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to bring them into this world and teach them how to control it right and to have balance with it? You see, parents, you put your kids in this situation. I did. I gave them the phone. And if you say, well, I'm never going to give you a phone, well, hey, they're going to be there one day and you need to teach them how to live in this world. So however you go about it, we have a situation and we got to lead them and we got to guide them. But something happens someplace along our road into sin. You see, sin isn't so pretty. And the struggle starts to come in. And we find that Adam and Eve, after they had sinned and eaten of the fruit, you know, they didn't have any other witness out there to tell them the consequences of sin. They didn't have the beauty that you have to see what's gone wrong with everybody else. 
But they begin to feel a splitting that occurred between them and God. And so they tried to cover it up and to hide out. But the voice of God came into the midst and began to call their name. He say, Adam, Adam. Husband, father, when God begins to ring into your life, it's because he's placed you as the head of your house. He's calling for your family. He's pulling on you and he's pulling on your family. When you begin to get bothered in the middle of the night, parents, husbands, God's saying, your family, we got a condition here. Just as he's like, pastor, there's something wrong in your church. You got to be aware of it. You know, sometimes I look back and, and I'm like, so that's why I preached the message. That's why that was bothering me. That's not a great feeling, church, when you look back and you realize it's because somebody got into the dregs of sin. And if somehow we could pull them out and you're like, dear God, I didn't know why you had me preach it. Thank you that you had me preach it. But I wish they would not have sinned. Parents, God's pulling on you. And he's poking on you. And you like to think I'm all okay. And you like to cover it up. But yet sin has entered your heart. And God's knocking at the door. Because it begins to affect you. And it begins to change you. So we turn over to the book of Luke. And I like this passage in Luke chapter 5. There's a couple stories here. One is when Jesus comes and he meets with Peter and he preaches to the crowds. And the other is the ones on the roof. Because in a world that's full of me, we see that Jesus came to a bunch of people to reach them. And he came... And he came with signs and miracles. Now, I think that's really cool. The blind being, eyes being opened, the lame walking, legs growing, arms stretching out. And I want to see all that. And I want to be a part of all that. But when Jesus came for those things, it wasn't because it was some sort of show. He wasn't putting on a big display. See, hey, look what I can do. Here's some pretty fireworks. And he found where they were hurting. And he said, if I can first minister to your hurt, then maybe you'll hear my message. If I can first reach into where you see the problem, then maybe you'll hear what I'm preaching. Because Jesus, rather than being about me, came about you. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Unless you think that God was just casting out, yeah, out children he had birthed and says, oh, you go die for them. No, that literally means that God put on humanity. He made himself a body. He came and walked amongst us. He was Emmanuel, God with us. And he said, I love you. And it's about you. And the king of glory said, I'm going to do something about you. That's why in the book of Acts it tells us that God shed His blood. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. It was God reaching for you. So in a world that's filled with me, God said, I'm all about you. And when He came and He began to heal, He reached in and He began to touch blinded eyes, to lift the lame out, 
to hurt, heal the brokenhearted. He was saying, I know where you're at. And maybe you'll hear my message about the kingdom of God if I first reach in and touch you where you're hurting. I watched Jesus walk into the religious leaders and he would tell the religious leaders and rebuke them and, and tell them all about their condition. But you didn't see that with the people that were at the bottom of the totem pole. Instead, he said, how can I help you? He didn't sit down with Zacchaeus, who the people looked at with the, with the disgust, and say, look at your problem, Zacchaeus. He said, hey, I'm going to be at your party today. I'm going to let you host me because you would find that to be an honor, and I'm going to let you be honored. I'm going to go ahead and eat from your table and show you that you're not so too dirty for me. I'm going to be in your midst and grace you with my presence. Oh, you know what? That's what Jesus did for me. You see, Zacchaeus had to look at his pretty clothes and say, you know what? I got it together. But all those people out there are condemning me. But, in, but Jesus came in and said, oh, hey, <laughs> you know, I was leaving town, but there you are. I was supposed to be at your house. Jesus had just turned down everybody else for their party. But he said, ah, Zacchaeus, there you are. I'm coming to your house today. And he backtracked. And he went to his party, and he invested in him. And he made Zacchaeus realize, hey, it's about you. And then Jesus could bring in conviction. We have these men right here. They let down the, through the roof. I like this passage. Why? Because those men didn't, you don't see them say, I got a problem. And that's something I want to bring to you about our me culture. What struck me sitting in the classroom that day is, me, I got a problem? No, but you've got a problem. Our society has a problem. And you know what I can say, Bishop? Our society does have a problem. My neighbor's marriage is messed up. My friend is hooked on drugs. Our government has got it all wrong. We can't figure it out. There are a bunch of people that are disillusioned. There is racism in our world. It is a mess. I agree with you. And Sister Powell, it's a mess out there. So what can we do about it? And you know what happens when you suddenly focus on the problem? You're not staring in the mirror at me anymore. Instead, you see all that out there. And you say, you know what? I care about that. And I want to see that changed. And you move that mirror away from your phone. And you're no longer looking at yourself. But you see the problem. And you say, let's go do something. And so these men said, you know what? He's hurting. He's wounded. He's a palsy. But over here, he's a paralytic. But we've got somebody who can take care of him. So let's take him to the solution. And they gathered him up. Because it was no longer about me. But it was about you. And they hauled him, you, up onto the roof. And they said, we got to tear this apart. You know what they now had? They had purpose. And they begin to rip apart that roof. And they said, there's one way or another, we're going to get him down here. If you will take this generation and give them purpose. All their smarts, all their abilities to create. All there quickly let me post it is out there saying, who'll join me? We've got problems. Who'll help me clean it up? We can do something about it. I wondered, Peter, as a fisherman, 
when he sat on that shore with his boat. He started out with, I didn't get any fish today. How am I going to pay the bills? I stink at this. God clearly wasn't looking out for me today. I work really hard, and this is difficult. And there's the crowds out there milling around. Oh, he had to hear it all, right? It was a roar. Oh, look at those people over there. Oh, there's some preacher over there. Oh, you know, and, and, and he knew of Jesus. But he had to be so frustrated that night, that day. And then Jesus says, can you put the boat out so I can preach? You know what happened? He went from me to, oh, oh, you out there. You know what? I'm really tired. But you know what? Those people, they're, they're, the, they're the lowest of the low. I have a boat. I can fish. I rank slightly higher than them. I, uh, I'm a little, little further up in the caste system. I'm not quite at the bottom. I'm a businessman. Those people, they don't really have anything. So yeah, yeah, I can do something for you. When, if you want to preach to those people out there, you can use my boat. And I know when you read this, you don't see this dialogue, but you see that Jesus says, hey, he entered into Simon's ship. <laughs> what did Simon not know was going to happen that day? As Jesus entered into one of the ships, which is Simon's, and prayed to him that he would thrust a little out from land. You see, this is about you, right? It's all about you. It's me, me, me. Today I had a me problem. And I go, hey, could, could, I, could you help me? I would like to preach to them. Could, could you help me? You know, Mark, yeah, we can do something about the condition out there. Let's use my boat. And we push it out a little bit from land. See, you don't have a problem. Yes, you do. You didn't get any fish, but it's, oh, I didn't God help me tonight. Uh, um... But yeah, we can do something there. I can take a little extra time for them out there. And so you pull out here. And Jesus, you think he's just preaching to the crowds. But he's in your boat. He's right where you're at. And he's with you and together you see the condition. And he begins to preach. And he begins to share a word. You see, you're the four over here. And you've taken somebody... And you said, you know, we were tired. We maybe weren't going to go to the service today. But I've got you. And, and, and together us four are going to bring you. And we're going to get you to Jesus. And so you begin to, to do something for somebody else. You went from me to you. You went from me to you or to them. But as the preaching unfolds. As the men opened the roof and let down the lame man, what did Jesus do for the lame man? He said, son, thy sins be forgiven thee. If I'm quoting the scripture correctly here. He said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Man, I like that. Okay, I said, man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Man, thy sins are forgiven thee. Let him down. And then Jesus began to ask what, why they reason ye in your hearts. Is it easier to say thy sins be forgiven thee or to say rise up and walk? But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. I say unto thee, he says to the, the, the sick man, rise, take up thy couch and go into thine house. They were all amazed. But Jesus goes on and he says a little further down, verse 31 and 32, they that are whole need not a physician but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to 
repentance. Bishop, if I was sitting there that day and I was one of those four on the roof, you know what I would have thought? I brought my friend to be touched, but he just forgave his sins. And I'm like that Adam and Eve in the garden, but trying to cover it up. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. You know what? I would like to be in your presence, Jesus. I, I would like that. Suddenly the message isn't just for the lame man. It's not just for the people on the shore, but it's for them and me. It's about us. It's about our condition. And it begins to prick me a little bit. Because as I've got purpose now, and I'm reaching them, and you begin to show me their problem. You see, what happens is when I can show you that they need Jesus. If we can show our young people downstairs that they out there, their friends at school, need Jesus. Then they're all of a sudden going to go from, what can I do that's sinful? How much can I toe the line? Why can't I do what the other kids at school do? To their worlds are being destroyed and they need Jesus. And this is how Jesus wants them to live. And this is what's going to change their world. And then they will hear the message and they'll realize for me to reach them, I've got a problem too. Because someplace in there, the message, when you hear it, and when you push it, and when you reach it, see, you have to get in shape. If you're in the military and you're going to go fight a battle, you have to do PT. Right. Well, I thought I was perfectly great shape. But Jeremy will tell you, you don't get to go to Afghanistan having been sitting at your desk for six months. No. Stigar will let you know. It's work. And so you begin to change yourself for the mission for the purpose. Oh, I would love and I want Bishop our preaching to bring purpose to people's lives. Because if they'll see that purpose out there and they'll see the condition, then they'll go ahead and they'll say, and I need to do whatever it takes to team up with you, King Jesus. And so that brings us back to Peter. Because Peter had a me night that was pretty rough. But he was willing to push out for them. And I have to think as that preaching occurred, it rang into his hearts. But Jeff, Jesus was in his boat. And now Jesus turned after saying, hey, here's what we did for them. Now would you be willing to cast out into the deep for you? See, it went from me to them, to us, back to me. Because now me that's hurting on the inside, me that sees my situation, me has a burning inside of me, and they begin to cast out into the deep. And, and I would like to reflect on that word deep because you had to go someplace there. You had to be willing to draw out from the shore and to go out a little further and perhaps further than you normally would even fish because normally you would fish just off the shell. And, and, and it's going to require heartache and tiredness because you've already gathered the nets up and you've already done all the work. And, and now you're even going someplace where maybe the fish aren't at in your thinking. And Jesus says, I just want you to go deeper. 
Let's go out into the deep. We're going to go deep. And, and that and spiritually, we're going to go deep. Trevor, we're going to go deep. And, and God wants to go deep into you, Sister Nancy. He wants to go deep, Sam. We've got to go deep. Will you go deep with me? You know, Jonah finally got his head straight when he really went deep. But God had to take him out there for him to get to be able to see what it is that God wanted and that God cared about him and them. And so he launched out into the deep and they cast over their nets and they brought in so many fish. And it says, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful Peter didn't say, I'm a sinful man, when Jesus said, can I use your boat? Peter didn't say, I'm a sinful man, when he saw the crowds on the shore that Jesus wanted to preach to, and, and, and they were gathering in, and he knew Jesus was there. He didn't say that. He didn't say, I'm a sinful man, when Jesus preached from his boat to them. But when he finally, the message rang through to his heart. When God touched him where he was hurting at that day, and reached into... Peter's problem of I can't get fish in to support my family. He said, I'm a sinful man because now God had directly touched him where he was at. Where he was at. And then Jesus tells him, he says, for he was astonished that there were with and all that were with him at the draw of the fishes which they had taken and so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. You know, Israel was a nation that was looking for a revolution. It was a nation that when Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God, that echoed words, revolutionary words, overthrow type words. Just the kingdom that Jesus was overthrowing was the kingdom of hell. Not the physical kingdom of Israel or the, of Rome. But they were hurting and they were aching and they saw the condition out there. There was revolutionary talk. This is wrong. This is unjust. This isn't right. They can't do this to us. We have rights. Look what they did over there. and Look what they did over here. And those, those fishermen... They had to be out there in them boats, and that's a great place to talk. you got a net over there, and nobody can hear you out there on the water, and you can talk all about what's wrong with the world. <laughs> and when Jesus came along, and he said, hey, would you help me for them? You know what? Well, we can put that boat out. But then it began to change. And Peter went from me rough night to them with the condition to we all heard the message to me in the deep. And then Jesus took it back from me to I will make you fishers of men. And it's back to them. Oh, in our world today, you don't have to put down all these children and all these, these, these young ones and, and, the, and anybody out there that it feels like they're all about me. Every posting they have out there seems to be about me. But just begin to show them that you care about the condition of the world 
And then someplace in there, they'll begin to see the condition of themselves. And the dyed hair, and the tattoos, and the, the cut this half short and make this half long, and do you have a problem with the style of clothes I wear? All that will begin to fade away. Trust me, when somebody gets a job and they realize I need to dress up for it in order to achieve the job, things change. They get different haircuts. Not everybody, but a whole lot do. You see an adjustment. Why? Because they realize I need to be taken seriously out here. I'm trying to do a task over here. So here's what I need to do to do the job. If for no other reason than that. But when we come to Jesus and they say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? I would like to be a part of the mission. And, and, and they see how we're going to bring those people out of broken homes. And they're going to put marriages back together. And they're going to get addicts to leave their addiction. And they're going to see people have hope again. And when they begin to see that's possible, and then they realize, you know what? It's possible for me too. Because God cares about them and me. And He's calling them and He's calling me. And so who, if we could go ahead and stand to our feet. But I would like to ask you on this Sunday, what about me? Oh, is somebody willing to say, Jesus, I see a world that's all about me. But you came to reach them, and I want to reach them too. I'm willing to go. So whatever you need to do to change me, I'm signing up, Jesus. Let's reach our hands towards heaven. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, burn in our hearts. Lord Jesus, burn in our hearts. You see the condition out there. You see a world that's filled with itself. But God, you sent us to reach them. You sent us to save them. Give us wisdom, O oh God, to preach this message. Give us wisdom, O oh God, to reach into the spot where they're hurting the worst. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh God, I repent of me, Lord Jesus. I repent, O oh God, of being just filled with myself. Lord, you've got a calling and you've got a purpose. And you called me to catch men. And you called me to be a fisher. Oh God, help me, Lord. I want to do whatever it is you need me to do. And I ask you, God, to give us wisdom and help us to reach them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I do want to let you know that when you say, what about me? That God does care about you. He cares about you more than you could imagine. That's why the four on the roof heard about I forgive sin. And that's why Peter learned I take care of your home, Peter, and your house. But you four men on the roof had it right when you lowered him down. And Peter, you had it right when you put your boat out. Because I called you to catch men. God bless you. Have a great week. I will miss you all. And we'll see you in about a month. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>